Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Grab your copy of God's Word go to Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Matthew chapter 6. How many guys love to do the right thing? Right? We do. I mean, this but let me ask you this. Do you ever do the right thing for the wrong reason? Have you ever donated to a charity, which is good, just to get the itemized deduction <laughs> on your taxes? You have no regard for the people who the charity is going toward. You're thinking about yourself in that regard. Have you ever bought your wife a table saw? Which is, like, I mean, that's a really handy tool to have, right, Wes Kerr? I mean, that'd be a great gift to buy your wife just for you to use. Amen? Amen? Have you ever given compliments? Which is a, is a good thing to do, right? If it's genuine, if a person is, is, needs to be complimented, if they've done something well. But have you ever given compliments just to butter somebody up, hoping they'll say yes to your request that's coming soon? Right? Sometimes we do the right thing for the wrong reason. One time this preacher was preaching. This is a true story. One time, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to another preacher. One time this preacher was preaching, and this mentally ill man walked down the aisle in the middle of the service, went up there and slapped the preacher in the face, turned over the pulpit, and then sent the whole congregation into a panic. I mean, you can just imagine. But out of the blue, out of nowhere, this church member named Gary came flying out of nowhere, ran smack dab over that guy and knocked him down. I mean, the Tennessee Titans should invite him to, to, to training camp. I mean, it was that good of a tackle, it looked like. And everything got under control. Well, the next day, the preacher went over to Gary's house to thank him for saving the day for his bravery. But as the preacher was talking and, and, and talking about how brave Gary was and how much he had saved the day, Gary kept blushing and, and squirming more and more. And when the preacher was done, he noticed that Gary's head was not held high. It was held low. And he said, Gary, what's wrong? He said, Preacher, I, I really appreciate the kind words, but I have to be honest with you. I wasn't trying to protect anyone. When that guy pushed over that pulpit, I got scared to death, and I tried to run out. And I run into him and knocked him down on accident. <laughs> so what looked like bravery was actually cowardice. He did the right thing for the wrong reason, although he did the right thing accidentally. T.S. Eliot once wrote in his, pro, in his poetic play called Murder in the, Cathed in the Cathedral, he said, The greatest treason is to do the right deed for the wrong reason. And we're about to begin a series of messages as Jesus turns sort of topics here in the Sermon on the Mount. And he, we, we're going to get a series of, 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 of messages on people who are doing the right thing for the wrong reason. For instance, they were giving to the poor. Is that good? Yeah. Is it right? Yeah. They were praying to God. They were fasting from food um, uh, to, to, to grow spiritually in God, right? That's what fasting's for. Are all those good things? Absolutely. But they were doing them for the wrong reasons. They were doing good things for the wrong reasons, okay? So tonight we're going to continue in our series, Life Lessons from the Mountain, where we're walking verse by verse through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The title of tonight's message is, Without Fanfare or Forethought. Without fanfare or forethought. Tonight, Jesus focuses in on those who do the right thing, 
by giving to the poor, but do it for the wrong reason. So let's look at our text tonight. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before the people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray to God. Father, as we come to this text, I pray that you would help us to get the right heart. Father, we know the right thing to do. We often do the right thing. But help us to do the right thing for the right reasons. Lord, if there's anybody in our midst tonight who has yet to repent and believe in Christ, we pray tonight that the motives of their heart and their deeds that are not always good, I pray it would speak to them tonight and, and, and just clearly speak to their heart that they are in need of a Savior. And tonight will be the night they repent of their sin and trust in Christ and be saved. We just ask you to work in our midst, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So tonight's task is this. How should we give to the needy? Now, I'm talking about by check. I'm not talking about cash by donation. What are some principles when we think about giving to the needy? How should we give to the needy? So first, we should give to the needy out of Jesus' expectation. All right? Jesus expects you and me to give to the needy. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? I know that because Jesus uses the word when instead of if. Jesus didn't say if you give to the needy as if it's optional. He expects it, right? He says when you give to the needy. Jesus has an expectation here, all right? You see, God has always called his people to care for the needy among them. He's always done that. I'm going to pass out some verses here. You guys might help me. Four verses I want to pass out to you tonight for us to think about, to chew on. Uh, first is Leviticus 25, 35. Who will take that one? Thank you, Chan. Leviticus 23, 22. Who will take that one? Leviticus 23, 22. Thank you, Wes. Proverbs 19, 17. Who will take that one? Thank you. And then finally is Proverbs 22, Verse 9, Proverbs 22, verse 9. Thank you. All right. Before we get there, though, I want to read to you Deuteronomy 15, 4 through 11. Deuteronomy 15, 4 through 11. It's a big passage, but it really explains in detail God's heart for his people when it comes to the needy amongst us, okay? Verse 15, 4 through 11. It says this, Deuteronomy 15, 4 through 11, But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, if only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and, he shall lend, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns with your land, within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, 
You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cried to the Lord against you, and you shall be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So you can see the, the heart of God here. There are poor amongst us, and we are to be generous. Now, particularly, we're going to talk about this in a moment. We'll get to this, okay? Particularly in the church, there should be no poor among us, okay? Let's hear Leviticus 25, 35. How about Leviticus 23, 22? When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord God. All right. So even there, in that instance there, that, that's not really giving in one sense, right? You're not just handing them something, but you're providing opportunity for them to provide for themselves, right? Those that don't have land, those that don't have crops. Very generous amongst those who are poor, the sojourner, and also the sojourner. Now, Proverbs 19, 17. That's really cool, the, the way that says it. Read that again for us, Mike. When you give to the poor, you're giving to God, in one sense is what he's saying there. And God will return blessing on you. In some way, Proverbs 22, verse 9. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread. So guys, to be a child of God is to be somebody who cares for the needy. Therefore, we're to give to the needy out of Jesus' expectation, right? We're to give to the needy out of Jesus' expectation. It's not if you give to the needy, but... When you give to the needy. But I think it's very important for us to say here for just a moment. It's important for us to think clearly about this. It's important for us to say here that not every beggar is needy. Let's be real, right? Not every beggar is needy. Maybe you know some folks around town who are professional beggars. Uh, you know, I, I, I see some uh, over in the Fairview Plaza a lot. Uh, I see some downtown a lot. And in fact, I run into the same one. Uh, different places in Bowling Green, okay? There are those who are beggars because they want to be a beggar, okay? Not because they need to be a beggar. They are not actually needy, okay? They are wanting, okay? Instead <laughs> of needy, they are wanting, okay? And here's the deal. We actually, when we help them, we actually hurt them, all right? When we give to those who simply choose to be a beggar and do not need to be a beggar, we actually hurt them instead of helping them. We aid and abet their slothfulness. We aid and abet their deception. When we help them, we actually hurt them. And that's something we need to get in our heads, right? Sometimes our helping hurts, all right? 
You see, we are under no obligation to aid and abet sinfulness. Okay? 2 Thessalonians 3.10. It's probably a verse you know well. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him what? Not eat. Right? And so there, right there, we, we have license there. If there is a man or there a woman who is able to work and provide but refuses to do so, we are under no obligation to help them. And in fact, if we help them, we hurt them because we deaden the pain. That is meant to drive them to repentance. Maybe you saw the article or maybe you even participated in this, and if so, that's great, about the warming trees around Bowling Green. It's a, it's a good thing, don't get me wrong, but I was talking to a guy the other day who is formerly homeless, and he was talking about that, and he said, the thing I worry about is that I'll keep a homeless man out on the street one more night because he won't be cold, right? In other words, sometimes when we help, we unintentionally can hurt, okay? And I'm not saying they're hurting folks. I'm not, I'm not going that far, okay? But I'm saying we have to be, think, we have to think but be thoughtful of not just giving a handout, but helping people provide for themselves. Because when we do for somebody what they can do for themselves, we disable them, okay? We hurt them. It's like, it's like in the wild, I've used this illustration before with the bears in, 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 in uh, um, the, the Smoky Mountains, right? You see all the signs, don't feed the bears. Why? Because if you feed the bears, they won't hunt. And they become dependent on someone else, okay? And that's unloving to the bears. It's unloving to humans as well, okay? We need to let the pain of their sinfulness wake them up. But, but, you and I have to guard our hearts here because it's really easy for us to become cynical, and say that they're all like that. They're all trying to trick me. They're all lazy, no, you know, good for nothings who are just, you know, trying to milk the system. And that's not true. We must guard our hearts against cynicism. Because there are those out there who are really needy. There are those out there who, who, who run into a crisis. And they need our help. They need our help. So there are truly out there, and Jesus expects us to help them, all right? So give to the needy out of Jesus' expectation. Second, we should give to the needy without the intent of attracting the praise of man. Give to the needy without, a, without the intent of attracting the praise of man. Look at verse 2 here, Matthew 6, 2. He says, thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. In, in other words, we should, give to the, uh, we should give to the needy without fanfare. That's the title of tonight's message, right? Without fanfare, without forethought, okay? Without fanfare and forethought. We should not... Now, now whether these people literally had trumpets... <laughs> blasting before they gave something to someone to give attention, or whether they didn't. It's likely that they didn't really have trumpets. Jesus is probably being sarcastic here. Okay? Some of you are saying, boy, I can be like Jesus. If that's the case, I can be sarcastic. But he's likely being righteously sarcastic here. All right? But whatever they were doing, they were doing something that they gave to the needy in a way to draw attention to themselves. 
So how, how do you guys think they might have done that? If they didn't literally have trumpets, how do you think they drew attention to themselves? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So making a making sure that that, that that they were there and they were walking through and they were individually hand to mouth sort of stuff. Okay. Could be. What else you think? Okay. Yeah. So maybe they put on the special clothes that really said, "Man, this guy is rich. Look at him." And he goes out amongst. Yeah. How else you think? By boasting about it. Sure. That's right. Yeah, telling stories, man, back at the, the coffee shop or whatever they had in those days. You won't believe what I did the other day. That's right. Actually, I, I thought about this. They took a, yeah, I, I called it face scroll, okay? Because <laughs> books hadn't been invented yet, okay? That's right. <laughs> That's hilarious. And so, yeah, so they would boast about it. What else might they do? They might give a speech beforehand, right? Hear you, hear you. Today, I am going to give out of the bountiful or whatever else, you know. Maybe they had dramatic movements. They would take their, they would take their offering and they'd hold it up to God like they did on the Lion King. <laughs> and then they would take it and drop it in the bucket. I don't know what they would do, okay? Maybe they just had paparazzi, a posse that would follow them around. They may have had a district, you know, that was allocated to them. Okay. Could have. There are all sorts of ways that they could have done it, Okay. But whatever they were doing, whatever they were doing, it was drawing. They were intending to draw attention to themselves. They did it for a show. For a show. That's why Jesus calls them hypocrites. Hypocrites in the Greek, hypocrates, literally means an actor who wears a mask. That's what that, that's what that word means there. And that's what they're being. They're acting. They were givers who are masking their true motives. They were giving, they were doing the right thing for the wrong reason. They were giving to the needy to get the praise of man. Jesus says that when a person does that, there's no reward left for God to give them. They've already gotten their reward. They've already gotten their reward. A puny temporal, pathetic reward from man. Now guys, when you think about comparing the reward from God and the reward from man, they missed out, right? When you and I give, right, where people, where we do it to, to get the praise of man, we are short-changing ourselves, all right? But that's what fallen human beings like to do, right? We like to be, to get attention. We like to be praised. Last night, you know, sometimes we're like my beagle. Everybody needs a beagle. If you're a preacher, every preacher needs a beagle because they are, they are just so full of certain illustrations. Last night, my, my beagle Betsy climbed up in my lap and, and I was petting her a little bit and I stopped for a moment and she's taking her, her nose and getting under my hand and don't stop. I, I really like that petting, Ben. Come on, keep petting me. You know, that's how we are sometimes. We're just so hungry and starved for attention. If somebody would just think I'm awesome, that'd be great. We like the praise of man. And it's easy for us to look at this and say, and cluck our tongue. Those silly hypocrites of Jesus' day. Those scribes and Pharisees. Those rich people of Jesus' day. 
like we aren't prone to this sort of thinking. And we are. Every one of us. Every one of us are prone to this sort of thinking. Even the poorest among us are prone to this sort of thinking. So let's think here for a moment. I'm going to brainstorm. I don't have the answers. I didn't write these answers out, okay? So if you don't help me, we won't get anywhere on this, okay? What are some ways that you and I, of course, not us, people, I mean, right? People, not us, but what are some ways that people draw attention to themselves when they give to others? What are some things they do? Okay, that's right. Post it on Facebook. That's right, they do. They might even take the picture, you know, the selfie like Wes said, you know, with the homeless person, like, you know. In fact, in fact, one of the guys I'm talking about, that I talk about, that I see around town a lot, always has a sign saying, you know, he always has a bicycle, he's always smoking, he's, all, you know, he's always got warm clothes on, but he's always begging. And one day, there was a guy out there, I mean, he was... Uh, maybe he's a preacher, man. The guy was preaching up a storm to this guy there. And behind him was a girl with a video camera. I mean, I was like, what? You know, so, and so sometimes, I don't know what it was for, but that, that's what was happening, okay? So sometimes, yeah, we can, we, can, we can put it on social media. What's another way that we can do it? Okay. Yeah. So they don't give no regard to the people around them. They're just props in the photo op in one sense. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How else do we do this sometimes? Okay. Humble brags. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we're not really bragging. We're just, we're just sharing what God has done in our lives. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know those begathons? No, what's that? Uh, you know, the, the begathons on radio and TV. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've never called them that, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you get it, and then they'll, they'll say your name on TV or the radio. Oh, yeah. Much you oh, that's right, yeah. You can be a day sponsor or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, all that stuff, yeah. Yep. You know, and if you got big money, they'll name a building after you, you know. I'm sure Western and Belmont and... Other places have all sorts of buildings named after people. They'll be glad to name a building after you if you will give so much money, right? In fact, uh, there, you know, I have a friend uh, who, who, just, who just moved to Scottsdale. He's the pastor of White Plains, but he used to be the pastor at, uh, the youth pastor at Henderson Memorial Baptist Church in Hopkinsville. And the church was, was named after Mr. Henderson, who donated the land and donated all that. And now Mr. Henderson... Didn't put his name on the building, but his children did. And just so happens their last name is Henderson, too. But, you know, it's for their daddy, of course, right? So there are all sorts of ways, guys, that we can do this. We have to guard our hearts, okay? Jesus expects us to give to the needy, but he expects us to do it in a way that we don't intentionally draw attention to ourselves, that we don't intentionally attract the praise of man. Now, let's be honest, okay? Let's be honest. Sometimes we can't help but be noticed, right? We can't, all, we can't always give under the cover of darkness. 
All right. I mean, sometimes it's out in the daylight or you're with other people and, and God says give and so you give. And, but again, it's about your heart. So much here in the Sermon on the Mount is about the intentions of your heart. What's going on inside here as you do this thing out here, okay? And so here's the deal. Here's the deal. We can't always give a notice, but we can, we can always control what happens in here. We can't always control what people see, but we can always control the intent of our heart. That's why I said, give to the needy without the intent of attracting the praise of man. If our intent is not to attract the praise of man and somehow it attracts the praise of man, that's not on me, right? We're okay in that situation. But if we give to be noticed by men, then God will not reward that. So we need to learn to give without attracting the praise of man. This is kind of interesting. It said that there was a special, out-of-the-way place in the temple where shy, humble Jews could leave their gifts without being noticed. And another place nearby was provided for the shy, poor, who did not want to be seen asking for help. There they could come and take what they needed. The name of the place was the Chamber of the Silent. People gave and people were helped anonymously. And no one knew but God who gave and who took. It's kind of cool, all right? So we need to work on our intentions, right? Give to the needy without the intent of attracting the praise of man. So give to the needy out of Jesus' expectations. Give to the needy without the intent of attracting the praise of man. But finally, give to the needy with spontaneity and secrecy. All right? Give to the needy with spontaneity and secrecy. Verse 3 and 4. Matthew 6, verse 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, rewards you. Now, Jesus uses probably an idiom of the day, you know, to, to do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, that's physically impossible, right? Uh, I was reading something today that said that's physically impossible unless you get a lobotomy, which I guess I don't really know what that means, but some kind of brain thing, right? Okay. So it's impossible for you to know, for your for your left hand to not know what your right hand is doing, but he's saying to do it in such a way that there's some spontaneity, that there's secrecy to it, okay? Oftentimes, guys, when we give, we give with our right hand, but then at the same time our left hand comes out with a palm wide open, doesn't it? Right? We expect to get something in the back. We should give with some spontaneity. And that's why I say without fanfare or forethought. Without fanfare or forethought. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't think about how we should give and how we should bless and things like that. But there almost needs to be something that's like, God said, give it, here we go. Because what happens if we think about it too much? What's that? You won't do it. You will talk yourself out of it. You will talk yourself out of it. You will come up with a reason to not get it. All of a sudden you'll remember, wait, my electric bill's due. And, you know, we'll come up with all these reasons. So there needs to be some spontaneity to it. When God says give, give. Now, if God says give $10,000, okay, whoa. <laughs> but most likely when it's to a needy person, 
it's, it's an amount that we can live without for that moment, right? In fact, guys, wouldn't it be awesome if we would all steward our money in such a way that we had margin to be generous when the Lord said be generous? That's something to think about in your goals, in your financial goals, that you budget in money, potentially, to be generous when God says be generous, or to give to the needy when God says give to the needy. You know, I could just see that in my Dave Ramsey app, right? <laughs> you know, I'm talking to myself here, okay? All right? We should, we should do that. There should be, we, we, should, we should plan for spontaneity in one sense, okay? We should make sure that we have money to give spontaneously like that. All right? But then secondly, secrecy, okay? Notice what he says here. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done, notice this, in secret. In secret. Again, we don't need everybody to notice us. We need God to notice us. He's the one we're after, right? It's his praise, it's his reward that we are after. The secret reward from God is infinitely better than public reward from man. All right? So as we come to a close here tonight, we're not going to belabor it much longer. But let me just address this for just a moment, because one of the things that I hear sometimes that, that, that does kind of make me, kind of gets my, you know, dander up a little bit, is where a Christian will say, a, good, a well-meaning Christian will say, if the church would just be the church, there would be no poor in America. We hear that. Maybe you've said that, okay? Let me say again, that is not true. All right? Jesus said there will always be the poor among us. As long as there is sin in the world, there will be poor people. Because oftentimes, poverty is a reality of brokenness. As long as there's brokenness, there will be poverty. But let me say this. When it comes to where God says in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, we saw it a moment ago, that there should be no poor among them. He's talking about the nation of Israel, right? The people of God. And we come into the new covenant. The people of God is the church, okay? So in the church, we should strive. Let me say it this way. If the church would be the church, then there would be no poor in the church, okay? Now that's where it's at. Hear me very closely on that, all right? If the church would be the church, there would be no poor in the church, all right? We can't take care of every person in the world. We can be generous. We can bless. We can give to the needy. That's good. But if we want to eradicate poverty, we can't eradicate poverty in the world, but we can't eradicate poverty in the church, all right? You know, when you think about, about you know, here in the church, those, that's one of the greatest joys that we have is to uphold a brother or sister when they're in need, all right? To help them. Here in the church, we have accountability with them, right? We can walk with them. We can work with them. And it's a great joy. So I just want to challenge every one of us. Yes, give to the needy, but particularly, it says in Galatians 6.1, to, to be a blessing to everyone, but especially to those in the church. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. 
I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.